Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, talking about love never fails, bigger uh, subject matter once again is signs of being in a spiritual battle and how to win. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything or profits anything, but what does faith working through love? It's faith that works through love. It's it's not the outward cutting away of the flesh, uh, which was a sign of covenant in the Old Testament, but now it's the the work of God's Spirit within our heart. It is uh, it is the uh, the uh, power of the new birth. It's the uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit who resides within us. And and since the Holy Spirit is God, then He is also love. And uh, Scripture says that the love of God, the love of God has been poured out or shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Well, then we understand that the Holy Spirit being God in the third person, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Well, we would say that God, the Father loves us. We would say Jesus loves us. But, you know, the Holy Spirit loves us. And, and he is the agent. He is the person of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity that has come to reside within us. And now he has shed or poured out the love of the Father, the love of the Son in our heart. It's by the Holy Spirit that we know the love of the Father, that we know the love of the Son. Because the Holy Spirit is also the great teacher, the great revealer. Well, what is he revealing? He's revealing that this is what makes the Christian engine work. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. And the Holy Spirit is is wonderful at working with us to get us to see when the love of God is compelling us, then our faith is in a in a place where we can exercise it and we can see victory. Uh, John, the apostle, wrote in his letter to the church in first John five, four. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But what makes faith work? Well, love makes faith work. So love is what causes faith to be active, to produce results, to bear fruit in our life. And we can look back now in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we can see this uh, uh, as, uh, as a truth. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, remember faith works by love. Would you say that with me? Faith works by love. And faith gives me victory. And so since we're in a spiritual battle, uh, what causes us to have victory? Faith. What causes us to overcome the forces of darkness and overcome the, the things that are in this world and the traps and temptations and, and all that, that we encounter? Well, it's our faith. This is the victory that overcomes our faith. But what makes it all work is love. Without love, you know, faith isn't empowered. It's not able to do the work that it's put in our heart to do. So here we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to begin in the first verse. It says, uh, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods 
to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, think about what he's just summarized in the first three verses. Uh, the ability to speak not only with a no, known but an unknown tongue. And, uh, but it, it, that really isn't profitable unless love is, is motivating us. He says we're just, you know, uh, very noisy and uh, it's like the sound of, of, of sounding brass or a, a clanging cymbal. And he says, even though I, I could prophesy and, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and, and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So in that second verse, he's, he's starting to say, you know, all of these things that I could do, you know, I, I could prophesy, but if, if love isn't the undergirding, the words of inspiration that I'm sharing, it, it's really not going to make an impact in people's lives. And I, I could even profess to have mountain-moving faith, but, but really that's, that's not going to be very beneficial unless love, once again, is, is working with my faith. And, and, and he goes on and he says, and though I, I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, we would say that's a noble and honorable thing to do, but, and though I give my body to be burned and, and, you know, just a, a sacrificial life for the cause of Christ, but it's not out of love. It says it profits or it does me no good. And, and the thing that, that we have to remember here is that, you know, God is, is working in us. God is nurturing us. God is, is always, uh, you know, at work to uh, <clears throat> bring us to be more like Christ. And then he, he's going to describe the love that he's just been, been saying is so prevalent and so important to our lives. And it reads in verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind, and it does not envy, it does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, and it does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then in verse 8, it says, love never fails. Now, I, I, I've read that in the New King James, but, but I want you to hear this out of the Amplified, verses 4 through 8. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily or in a rude way. It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful in it. It takes no account of an evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in, at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. It bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. I want to focus on on that last phrase. Love never fails. Uh, in in the Greek, it, love never falls, and that's where the Amplified really helps us to understand the significance of the love of God. Because this is not human love. This is divine love. This is the agape love. This is the love that loved us when we were unlovely. This is how God 
treated and treats humanity right now. And this is, this is the love that he wants us to be known by, that we would be known by our love. And, and this is the love that the Apostle Paul says actually comes into us when we become Christians. Now, one of the things about this love is that this love has to be cultivated, nurtured in order to grow and develop because this love is known in Scripture as the fruit of God's Spirit or the evidence of God's Spirit in our life. So what's the evidence? The first evidence of God's Spirit residing within us. So let's go back and remember the Holy Spirit is love. And so the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of God's Spirit working in our life or the evidence of God's Spirit working in our life, therefore the first fruit that's mentioned is what? Love. And where is this love located? Well, it's not located in our head. The love of God is shed abroad in our flesh. No, it's not in my flesh. Because the flesh says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and the, the rational mind says, well, you know, I'll love you when and I love you if. So the rational mind or the mind of man, the carnal mind, just thinks that love is conditional. I love those that love me. And those that don't love me, I don't love. And the flesh is, is, is not the agent of, of where God's love is. So where is it? It's down in our heart. You know, we used to sing that uh, song, the chorus, you know, I've got the love, 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 you know, down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. I have the, and you remember that, that chorus maybe when you were a child and growing up in church. And, and this is the wonder-working power, love of God that's shed abroad, where it's down in our heart. Well, that that means that, in order for it to come out, we have to be, you know, willing to do the, to do, take steps or to live by faith. So when the enemy is coming against us and, and we're in a spiritual battle and a spiritual battle can be, you know, anything that is causing us to move away from Christ, to move away from the things of the Lord, to cause us to drift, to cause us maybe even to get to the place where we would, you know, deny or, or walk away from the things of faith. When we're in that, that moment of temptation, what is going to, to cause us to triumph? It's our faith. And what makes faith work is the love of God. It's the love that God has for us. <clears throat> so in, in these verses, you know, uh, it's the flesh profits nothing. The flesh profits nothing uh, when it comes to spiritual matters. It's profitable in some things, but not in, not in a spiritual battle. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness. So you can't win a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. You have to win a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And, and the spiritual weapon that never fails and never falls and never falters and never becomes obsolete and never comes to an end is the love of God. But we have to let that love of God that's in our heart begin to 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 affect and impact our mind in healthy ways and and not allow the flesh to govern our response, our reaction to life. Now, I haven't fully matured in the love walk. I haven't arrived, but I, I'm farther than what I used to be. And, and, and so we're not here to say, you know, hey, this is 
If you're not here, then you're not a Christian. That's not what Scripture is saying. What Scripture is saying is that this is the path to victory. This is the path that Christ is compelling us. This is the path that the love of God is compelling us to take. So let me read that again with with that bit of instruction. And, And I want you to hear this. In the moment of temptation, of testing, of trial, when we're in that intersection in life, The love of God that's down in our heart is compelling us to act and behave in this manner. And and remember, this isn't in your head. This makes no sense to your head. This is not something that your mind is, is automatically going to say yes and amen to. You have to renew your mind to this. And and the flesh is never, never going to comply to this outside of being subservient to your spirit. You, it's through the spirit that you put down the deeds or the power of the flesh. It's only through the spirit that you can overcome the desires and the carnal impulses and the works that the flesh wants to do. It's through the spirit that you have life. So let me read once again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to go back to the New King James, and so you can look at it in your Bible or up on the screen. And it says, love suffers long and is kind. And we, well, that would have to be the love of God. Because that's not natural human love. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It is not parade itself and is not puffed up, does not believe does not behave rudely and does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. Uh, let me give you a, a, a practical application of this on uh, that the Apostle Paul gave to the church. We're going to read out of the book of Colossians now the book of Colossians, and then I'm going to give you signs of spiritual maturity and, and because love is the indicator of a mature believer. Love. Not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are the evidence and the manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, spiritual gifts are not the evidence of maturity. Love is the evidence of maturity. Love is. Now, spiritual gifts are wonderful, and we need the gifts of the Spirit, and we earnestly desire and covet the the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, But without love, it wouldn't do us any good. The Apostle Paul said, you could prophesy, you can move mountains, you could have the gift of faith, but if, if love isn't what's compelling and inspiring and motivating you, then it, it really doesn't accomplish the purposes of God. It really doesn't make an eternal impact in people's lives. And and why is that? And just follow me just for a minute, because people, people sometimes are impressed with someone who prophesies. But are we impressed with the vessel? Are we impressed with, you know, the character and the love that's coming through? I mean, people sometimes you say, boy, that person has a lot of faith. But would we as Christians rather be known as people of just faith or we would rather be known as people's love? 
Well, what makes it all work is love. That's what inspired God to send his only begotten son. God loved us. Can we say that, that God can prophesy? He, can, he knows the beginning from the end? Absolutely. But his greatest act was when he sent Jesus. I mean, prophecy is wonderful, and we need to know about prophecy, and we need to welcome the gift of prophecy, and we need to have inspiration in our midst because it, it buoys and lifts up the Holy Spirit. But let's have love first. Let's have love as the foundation. Let's have love as the thing that is compelling every other aspect of the work and the salvation of God. And we can have it all. Isn't that the good news? You can have mountain-moving faith. I mean, you can have prophecy. But first and foremost, let's be people that are known as people of love. Can I get a hearty amen? All right, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, here we go. Verse 12, and I'll read down through verse 17. I think this will explain itself uh, after some of the instruction that you've received. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, that's us, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love. Now, he just mentioned some really notable and important things, didn't he, to put on? But what he's saying is, what's more important than all of that is, first and foremost, be put on love, which is the bond of perfection Another translation says, which is what causes us to be unified. And then it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to give you seven, seven signs of spiritual maturity. Because if we look at this portion of Scripture in Colossians, it, in verse 12 and, and 13, it really gives us some of the, the wonderful characteristics of, of who we are and, and what we can put on in Christ. You know, as the elect of God, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bear with one another. That means be patient, forgive one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. So that would be one side of this sanctified sandwich. So you have uh, the, the, the first side is, is this piece of bread. And then here's the meat. This is what makes it work. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of unity. And then he goes on and he says, and let God's peace. Here's the other side of this sanctified sandwich, the other piece of bread. And let peace rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Let it abound in you so that you can teach one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so you have this call and this appeal to put on Christ. But what makes it all stay together, what what really gives it substance and what really makes it matter is love. 
Lava is what brings it all uh, together. So here's, since lava is the mark of maturity, and, and this is the thing that the Holy Spirit is, is reminding us to do in the midst of these battles and tests and trials, and we're tempted to flesh out, we're tempted just to, you know, you know, sometimes give up and go back into the ways of the world or whatever. These are the things that spiritual maturity and, and the love walk creates in us. Number one, it helps us to learn. Everybody say learn. And, and every one of these are important. The love of God helps us to remember that in Christ, we don't have a past. All we have is a future. The love of God helps us to remember that in Christ, we don't have a past. All we have is a future. If you're a new creature in Christ, old things are passed away. All things are made new. So one of the first thing that, that love says is that you don't have a past. Your past has been wiped away. The love of God, he loves you so much that he took your sin as far as the east is from the west. And God wants us to forget those things that are behind and press towards those things that are ahead. God says, you don't have a past with me. You're a brand new creature in Christ. You're a brand new son and daughter. All you have is a future. That is the power of the new birth. You're a new creature in Christ. And the love of God is such an important factor in helping us to remember what we need to learn to forget. We do that sometimes by learning to forgive. That's number two. That's a mark of maturity. Learning to forgive. To forgive as we've been forgiven. The love of God teaches us to forgive as we've been forgiven. The love of God reminds us that in Christ all things are made new. That God loves us right where we are. He's not waiting for us to get cleaned up. He loves us this very moment. This is what makes the Christian life work. This is what makes faith work. Number three, sign of spiritual maturity is that the love of God teaches us or we learn how to pray. It compels us. It compels us to have an ongoing conversation and dialogue with our Heavenly Father. So what that tells me is the love of God tells me I'm accepted and I'm welcome to come into the presence of God because what? I don't have a past. I've been forgiven and the Father welcomes me to come. The Father welcomes me to come. Number four, we have to learn to believe. Learn to believe that that all things are new. Learn to believe that you are forgiven. Learn that when you forgive others, that God has forgiven all death as you pray. These are important earmarks of our Christian growth. Learn to worship. Signs of spiritual maturity is worshiping without shame, without hesitation, Scripture says, I wish men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. An expression of worship to our God. Giving, learn to give. As a sign of spiritual maturity. That, that everything that we have, everything that God has given unto us, we can give a portion back to him in faith. And learn to witness. Learn to witness. These are all marks of growing, maturing, developing in the love of God. So I want to go over those again. It all starts with the word learn. Everybody say learn. learn. So we're all on this learning curve. And the love of God is teaching us. 
and is teaching us to forgive, to forget, to pray, to believe, to worship, to give, to witness. I want to say that again. The love of God is teaching us. It's compelling us. What's it compelling me to do as a Christian? And, 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 and this is the love that never fails. You know, when, when we forget, we do ourselves a favor. When we punish ourselves from the past, we, our faith isn't going to work. We're condemning ourselves. We're not loving ourselves. Christ loves us. And he wants us to love him as we've been loved. We, we are the beloved of the Lord. We are the beloved of the Lord. Each and every one of us. So we learn to forgive. We learn to forget. We learn to pray. We learn to believe. We learn to worship. We learn to give. We learn to witness. And when we're, we're faced with, you know, feeling feelings that are opposite or contrary to that, we reject and we start taking the path of love. And if we get off the path of love, we get back on as quick as we can. We get back on as quick as possible. Can you say amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.